We are continuing our journey. We're following the uh, life of Christ in a chronological order. And uh, my calculations, if I'm adding it up, we're going to be doing this for a while. (laughs) Because last week we just got past where he was 40 days old. Today we'll get past where he's two years old. So, Matthew chapter uh, 2. And uh, I'd like to establish the content. So, we're going to read the first 18 verses there, and you'll follow along. And uh, I just feel led that we'll stand together and pray over this text. Matthew chapter 2, starting with verse 1. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, In the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes and the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. They said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. That was taken from Isaiah 40. And then Herod, when he had had privately called the wise men, he inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. He said unto them, uh, to be, uh, sent them to, the, to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the, ch- the young child, and when you have found him, bring him word again, that I may come and worship him also. And when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, a star, which they saw in the east, went before them, till it came and stood over where the child was. was. They saw the star, I'm sorry, and when... When they saw the stars, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. When they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt. And be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I have called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceedingly wroth, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and all the coast thereof, from two years old and younger, according to the time which, which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. And then it was fulfilled, which was spoke, spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, In Ramah there was a voice of lamentation, weeping, great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and would not be comforted because they, they are not. Let's stand and pray over this.
Father, as uh, even Jerry alluded to, in our hearts you have put such an importance on your word. And we know, Lord, that in the last days there would be a famine for this word. Not that there wouldn't be Bibles laying around, but there would be a lack of a desire to read it, to study it. Lord, you would say of those Bereans, they were of noble character because they studied the word. They studied every inch of it. You know, Lord, we want to be the same way. We want this hunger for your word to grow more so. We want to know your word. We just don't want to read it. We want to read it and be doers of the word. We just don't want to be someone who says one thing and acts totally a different way. So, God, we're asking that your Holy Spirit would come and illuminate this passage of Scripture. That your Holy Spirit would anoint us to receive it, to hear it, receive it, apply it, Lord. So we lay all our cares at your feet today, God. And all the sins that so easily besets us, God, we ask for forgiveness. We love you so much. Bless your word, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said together, amen. Thank you. Last week in our text, uh, we looked at a man by the name of Simeon. And he is the one when he saw Jesus at... 40 days old, he would pick Jesus up in his arms and declare to God, now I can die. I've finally seen the Savior, you know, the consolation of Israel. And uh, the dedication was made for, for Jesus and the, um, the sacrifice for uh, purification for Mary was given. And then they set off again. But there was something that Simeon had said in verse 35 of, of um, that, that chapter in Luke, where he said to Mary, he said, Mary, a sword is going to pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts might be revealed. And he does do that. Um, whether a person accepts Christ or not, it has no effect on who Jesus is. You know, Jesus remains the same. He loves the same. He will judge the same. There's no difference whether someone would reject him, receive him, or does nothing with him, which is also rejecting him. But Jesus always remains the same. I guess the question I want to start with is, how do you see him? What revelation has he given you concerning your own heart, concerning my heart? There are going to be three groups of people in this section of Scripture. They're all made aware of this baby born in Bethlehem. They're all made aware that he will be the king of the Jews and and it would be the birth of a suffering Messiah. They all are made aware of the same news, but in all three groups, there are different responses. There's there's different responses in, in, in different fashions. We start off looking at the, the first, and that is Herod. Look what it says now. Now, when Herod was born in Bethlehem of Judea, uh, in, in the days of Herod the king, Behold, these wise men came uh, from the east. Now, we don't know 
where they came from other than they came from the, the east. Now, traditionally, they would say there was just three. How many of you, again, own a manger scene and you display it at Christmas time? Don't throw them out. By the time I'm done, you're going to be tempted to throw them out. Don't do that. We can arrange the nativity scene in a way that makes biblical sense. But we have the wise men coming. We don't know where they're coming, but they're not coming to Bethlehem. They're coming to Jerusalem. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. They're inquiring where this newborn king of the Jews was birthed. And they said, look, we saw a star and we have come here to worship him. And uh, so uh, when Herod hears this, he wants to get some, uh, he wants to learn a little theology, I guess. He's going to call the priest and the scribes and they're going, okay, what's up with this king that's supposed to be born? Where is he to be born? And then, of course, they quote out of Isaiah that it would be Bethlehem. We see in verse 5 and 6. In verse 7, Herod then calls the, the wise men. Privately, he calls them. And he begins to interrogate them. And he just wants to know. He goes, look, uh, you know, wh- where did you see it? When? And all this inquiry is going on about them. And again, I'm going to go over something else with you in a minute. And so he goes, I want you to do me a favor. He asks these wise men. I want you to go and search for this young guy and come back. Now, he lies to them. He says, I want to, I want to worship him as well. He has no intention to worship him. This guy, is, he's evil. He's wicked. This Herod. And I'll explain why he's so. In verse 9, he, he said, well, they said, well, we've seen this star. And this star guided them to Bethlehem. It stopped, though. Apparently, the language indicates that the wise man was made aware of this birth and started to head, head towards Bethlehem. Almost outside of Jerusalem, the star disappears on them. So they, they don't know really what to do at that point, and that's how they end up in Bethlehem at, you know, at first. Well, he, they do go, and they, they leave Herod, and then all of a sudden they're looking around, and you know, there's the star again. And there's some great joy, and they, they still want to worship him, so they head to Bethlehem. And they finally come to a house. They come to a house, not a stable. They come to a house, not a manger. Now, apparently, this time lapse or a timeline would be, we know Jesus is born there in Bethlehem. We know eight uh, shepherds arrive because of Gabriel's announcement. And then shortly after that, uh, about four... 40 days later, well, no, eight days later, he then is circumcised. We don't know where he's circumcised, but to fulfill all the, the Mosaic law, he has to be circumcised. Then 40 days later after that, he's in, in Jerusalem for a dedication and a offering. Now, in this time period, from 40 to possibly to two years, two years later is when the Magi's arrived. Not at the birth of Christ. He is a child and not a baby. They see him in a house and not a manger. And so they must have been hanging around for quite some time until Herod says, you know, I want to know more about this kid. Is kind of what the language indicates here. Well, they bring to him three gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then what happens after that, as Joseph is there in the area, he has a dream. And he says to Joseph, Joseph, you've got to get the baby. 
and you have to get married and you flee to Egypt. And again, why Egypt? Why couldn't they have gone somewhere else? Well, again, prophecy states that he would even call his son, God would call his son out from, a, out from Egypt, which is quoted here for us. Well, they leave during the night, and then when Herod finally realized that he's been duped and that the Magi weren't coming back, Joseph and Mary, well, they're gone. He says, this is what we're going to do. We're going to slaughter all the children from two years. Why two years? Because that's probably how long they had been waiting. Two years and under, we're going to slaughter all the kids. And then that way we know, well, Herod knows that he would probably do away with this so-called king of the Jews. Uh, he, he was wicked. He's brutal. Now, again, if we were to title this message, we, we, could, we could say the, the good, the bad, and the indifferent. Good, bad, and indifferent. There's three different groups of got people here. There's political, there is um, uh, religious, and then there are um, just the indifferent, you know, they, who could, could care less. And so we, let's talk about these wise men for a second. They're, what are the wise men? Well, they're also called the Magi. Uh, they were a group of men who were well, very well educated. Um, they Primarily, they studied the stars, the constellation of stars. They believed that somehow God was trying to communicate to them through the studying of the different constellations and the stars and such. They believed that God actually lived amongst the stars. His habitation was there in the stars. They were always looking for wisdom, and they were always looking for direction. They wanted the real meaning of life. Uh, and, you know, they were searching for God in the worst way, always wanting to know who this supreme God is and searching. To, and, you know, they were searching, but they were just looking in the wrong place. You can't say these guys were like the religious group because in their hearts, they weren't really looking for anything. They didn't want anything really to interrupt their lifestyle. They could care two hoots about it at first. But not so with the Magis. They wanted, they wanted to know more about this thing, this, this, what they studied about in the stars. Um, they were highly educated. They educated themselves in the sciences and the philo- in philosophy. They, they were well endowed with wisdom when it came to actually the medical field. And uh, they were men who believed in the supernatural. They always knew that there was something greater than themselves. Um, they were highly esteemed. They were very esteemed for the, and they were powerful in their culture. They were, they held high position um, in in the political uh, arena. Uh, They read the the Septuagint, which was uh, the uh, Greek render of the Hebrew. So they were studying scripture all the time. They most likely came across the study of of, um, um, Balaam and the donkey and all that. Well, they probably studied the book of Numbers. And when they came across the passage, it said, a star will come out of Jacob. Well, they heard star and they were, that's us. We study the stars. Now they're even looking more for this one particular star. And guess what? They did find a star. I don't think it was Pluto or Venus or the North, but they found something and they were following it. Well, there's all kinds of people out there writing all, all about this story. Some of them quite, quite interesting, but again, not biblical, not inerrant. 
But we do know they were following something because usually a star doesn't disappear and then reappear. Would, would you agree with me there? But they are following something. They are, maybe they are following a morning star, which is another name for our Christ, our Lord, our Savior. But anyway, we know that uh, God meets them right where they are. He's, he's drawing them out of their superstition. They're draw, he's drawing them out of all their baggage. He's drawing them out from away, away from their history. They are, he got, so you know what I think? God knows just where to meet us. That's what I think. No, that's what I know. Because every one of you in this room, you have your story, and God knew just where to meet you, what ground to meet you on. With me, he met me in a garage, because that was my MO. He met me, you know, on the street. Where did he meet you? But he knew how to get a hold of your heart. And you followed something. It might not have been a star. It might have been a conviction. But you followed that. And you kept seeking. And you wanted to know the truth. But the truth would have never set you free. There was a desire in your heart to want to know the truth. I wanted a father. I wanted to know what it was like to be loved. I wanted to know what it was like to have the fear gone. And God met me right where I was at. The same with you. God just does that. These guys come from the east. We don't know exactly what part of the east. They find themselves going to Jerusalem. And again, apparently the star disappears. They lose sight of it. So they're thinking, well, we're in Jewish territory. Let's go to the capital. And so they ended up there in Jerusalem. The one thing I want you to notice, though, with these magi, they were filled with joy. Why? Because I think deep down in their hearts, they knew they were getting closer and closer to what they were searching for. Not further and further and further. And there are some people that I've met, it just seems the more they say they're searching, the further they get go away. Well, I just think maybe they're searching with the wrong motives. They wanted to know the truth. They were seeking for truth. They weren't escaping or seeking for some kind of an escape. They weren't seeking uh, God for prestige or an influence. They already had that. They just wanted to know the truth. And the Bible says when a person seeks for the truth, they'll find the truth, and that truth will set them free. These, this one, I mean, good, bad, and indifference. This is the good. This is the good. It's good when a, a man or a woman starts to seek for God. You know, no wonder Jesus said it's better that, 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 that a man would tie a millstone around his neck and toss it into the sea than cause a little one to be offended. You know, I want to, they come and they're filled with joy. Verse 11 indicates when they finally found Jesus, wherever that house was, they bowed down and worshipped and presented him presented him these treasures, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. How did they know to bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh? God's working in their lives. They didn't read that in the stars. They brought gold because it speaks of a king. And when they walked into that, that little room, they saw a little maybe two-year-old kid standing there with Mary. Maybe hanging on to Joseph's leg. I don't know. And these men 
And I believe there was more than one Magi, by the way. This, again, that's tradition, only three. You don't come in, you don't, three guys don't walk into a city with some gifts and turn the city upside down. I believe that there's a crew of them following this. It's just tradition tells us, see, our manger scene is already falling apart, isn't it? It's not at the birth of Christ in a manger. It's two years later. So if you're putting a manger scene on the man, here, I'm helping you here. So you don't have to throw them away. You put the birth scene at one end of the, uh, the whatever you put it. And on the other side of the mantle, you put the wise men. And that's more biblical. You know, and Ikea sells great stars if you want to buy one from Ikea. But they, but they go in and they present the gifts to him because gold speaks of a king. Frankincense speaks of a, a priest. And myrrh speaks of death. You've got gold, frankincense, and myrrh and in a po- prophetic way. These magis, these cultic worshipers are getting closer and closer to worshiping the true king. So again, <clears throat> let's, t- let's, let's talk about Herod a little bit. Here's the second group. You have Herod. He's an Idomean. The other gods. What's an Idomean? Well, he, he's from the tribe of Esau. He has no relation with the 12 tribes of Israel at all. Well, how did he ever become a king over the Jews? Well, that's because Rome put him there. Rome put this Herod uh, in place because he was ruthless. He, well, you could see that already. He's ordering the death of two-year-olds. He's paranoid. He's insecure. This guy actually ordered the death of his, his wife because he, he thought his wife was conspiring. He ordered the death of his mother, his own biological mother. And then he ordered the death of his older sons. Well, why? Well, the, he, he was so paranoid, he was afraid people was going to take his throne away from him. That's why he wanted to know, where's this kid? He didn't want to worship him. He was afraid of him. He's an Idomenian. He's a puppet king. Um, he, he knew, too, that he would never win the hearts of the Jews. He knew that. In fact, what history tells us that this one particular king, though he, would, he wouldn't care, he wouldn't eat pork. Because he knew if he would eat pork, it would create a, revi- a, a, a revolt against him. So he tried to stay away from, from pork. In fact, it was said of this Herod, it would be safer to be one of his pigs than one of his sons. Because they knew he wouldn't eat the pork, but he had no problems killing his sons. So a wicked man. A wicked man. And the reason is because his heart is dark and his heart is wicked. It is just bad. You know... Simeon was right that this small child would reveal the hearts of many. And this Herod tried to hide behind all his political influence. He tried to hide behind lies. But deep down inside, God reveals that this man is a wicked, depraved person. God has a way to reveal all of our hearts, doesn't he? You know, I know I harp on that quite a bit about your heart, my heart. And I think sometimes, if the, and you, know, you know what, let me back up a little bit. If the enemy of our soul, Satan, if he could do anything, he would 
somehow take the importance of our heart away from us. Like it doesn't matter. Just live a good life. But you know what? Proverbs tells us that this heart, for out of the heart flows the issues of life. It's our heart that determines every course of our lives. It tells us in John chapter 319, this is the condemnation. That light has come into the world, but men love their darkness more than the light. And he tells us why. Because their deeds were evil. For everyone that does evil hates the light, neither comes to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Kill this kid. Get him out of the way. Not like the Magi's. The Magi's come and they're presenting gold to a king. They're presenting frankincense to a priest. And then they're giving him myrrh because he would be a suffering Messiah. They knew even at at that time, this kid is going to die for the sins of humanity. He says, lest their deeds should be reproved. But he that does, I'm sorry, but he that does uh, doeth truth comes to the light that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. Now, the third group is the priest. You notice there's not much about the priest. Herod inquires, where's this kid going to be born? Where's this king going to be born? Ah, priest. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. Oh, Herod and Bethlehem. That's what the prophets say, Bethlehem. Did you, do you know how far Bethlehem is away from Jerusalem? It's like five miles Today, it would be like saying, hey, let's just go down to the park and we'll have a picnic. We'll just jump in the car and we go. But they didn't care. At this point, Jesus was not a threat to the high priest. He's just the baby. You know, we don't really care. And then a lot of times, well, I shouldn't say a lot of times, but there, there are people that just doesn't care. They're uncaring. They're uninterested in it. They're... um almost unresponsive. You witness to them, and you just don't even get a response. Ah, so what? They've been saying that for... Jesus is coming again. Ah, they've been saying that forever. Well, don't you care? Do you want to go to heaven or hell? I don't really care. I have no interest. You know, what we see in this thing is definitely it just centers around the heart of humanity, and it shows us the heart of those that are good. It shows us the heart that is bad, and we, it shows us the heart who just doesn't care. And now it just makes so much sense to me, even to point that out to people at times. Hey, buddy, you want to know why you don't care? Because Jeremiah says that your heart is desperately wicked. I'm not a wicked person. No, I'm not saying your actions or anything, but I'm saying your heart. The reason you don't care is your heart doesn't care. You don't care. One iota. You don't care that I'm telling you that the wages of sin is death. You wouldn't care about now. You know what? Leave me alone. That's the indifferent one. And then you get the wicked guy. It's just evil. And you wonder how this guy's ever survived. Or somebody hasn't just, you know, did this guy in or something. But you always have the one who wants to know the truth. There's something deep within his heart. He wants to know the truth. And I'll tell you something. You want to know the truth. God will meet you right where you're at. But the question is, and this is what you need to think about. Does my heart long for the truth? 
Do you long for it? Do you really want it? Because it can't just be lip service. David said that the heart that God's looking for isn't one that's religious. It's a broken and contrite heart. That's the heart he's looking for. He's looking for the heart that will diligently seek him. He's looking for the heart that no matter at what cost, I'm going to seek for the truth and I'm going to know the truth as the Magi's did. Listen, your heart, my heart is very important. The place of the seat of spirituality. When we talk about the heart, kids, we're not talking about that physical muscle. You know that. In fact, in the Old Testament, they wouldn't use the word heart. They used the word bowels of compassion. The idea is that deep thing within your gut where Christ rules and reigns in, in, in a lot of us. That's the place that needs to be protected and guarded. That's why I'm always hounding you about stay on your knees, stay in the word, get brothers and sisters around you in prayer, seek the kingdom. Look again, Proverbs 4.23 It says to keep your heart. It means literally in the Hebrew, guard your heart. Watch what you allow into the eye gate. Watch what you allow to go into the ear gate. Watch where you're at and be careful. Look, God has a way of trying our hearts. He he knows how to know our hearts. Anoskis means he knows every inch of it. He also knows how to search it. If you're confused, just say, God, search me. In fact, he says that in uh, Jeremiah chapter 17. He says, the heart is desperately and above all things desperately. Who can know it? And then he invites the Lord. He goes, Lord, search my heart and try my reins. Yeah, it's a person who invites Christ to search and to try. Listen, you all know this one. Psalms 51 uh, verse 10, create in me a clean heart, renew a, a steadfastness within me, create. And I, I you know, I, I, I camp out at this old friend of mine right here. This, you know, because the word create there isn't a, it's not a makeover. It's not this old house, you know. This word is bara, B-A-R-A in the Hebrew And David felt like that heart was so depraved after he fell with Bathsheba. He thought his heart was so wicked. He is the one who said, a sacrifice and offering you wouldn't have. David said that. I would love to bring a sacrifice. I would love to bring a sin offering. I would love to get into fellowship with God. But you would not have it. Because what David did required death according to God's law. And then David would say this. So create in me a clean heart. You won't take my offering. You won't take my sacrifice. So you're going to have to start something new. And that's what God does. He starts. He starts something new. Can you take the, ch- can you take the baby out, buddy? Thanks. He wants to do something new in each and every one of us. Listen, we're not exempt, folks. Please listen to me. The enemy has a way to desensitize 
He has us a way to turn what we know to be true in such a, a mundane thing where we just grow so accustomed to it. We go to church, you know, we read our devotions, but yet deep down inside we're growing colder and colder and colder and we become indifferent towards God where we just don't care anymore. And you come to a place where that's just not right. And you cry to the Lord. Now, there's two things you can do, and I'll end with that thought. There's two things you can do. You can fall into a legalistic mentality, and you can try to earn your way back into that relationship with God again. Or you can just lay down and give up and surrender and say, God, I need you to do something here. Create in me a clean heart and renew a steadfastness. Rich, you can make your way out. Do you want to know why David said, and create a new a steadfastness within me. Because David said this afterwards. He goes, then I'm able to teach the transgressor his way. I'm not going to be able to do anything, you know, without a broken and contrite heart. I'm not going to be able to do anything without a new heart within me. And, my, you know, people are going to suffer around me because I'm not right with God. And what an invitation, I believe. Do something new. I want you to think about it, guys. As we close out our service today. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, wow, I wasn't expecting this message. You got to start somewhere. You come to Christ as a young child. Not childish. A childlike, trusting that Christ will come into your heart, believing that he died and was buried and was raised again to new life. That's where it all starts. And you know what? If you haven't done that, there's an opportunity right now to do that. We're going to stand in a minute and we're going to start to sing. And there's a prayer team that's going to be up here. And all you have to do is walk up to one of the members on the prayer team and say, you know what? This is a new beginning for me. And allow them to pray with you. But maybe you're here today, right now, and you just don't care. This message was geared for that. This is what's on my heart. We can grow cold and callous towards God. And that's not where God wants us. He wants us to be alive. Excited about the King. Amen? So why don't you stand with me? And again, if you would, if you desire prayer... My rich is singing. Just make your way down and someone will pray with you. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, we pray, Father, that your word would take up a permanent residence in our hearts. But Father, that every any time or whenever you start to tug on our hearts, we would be able to pour or pull the word of God from it and just to study and and to know, I guess, why, Lord, what direction you're sending us. Father, I'm just praying for anyone here today that might not know you, that today would be the day they say yes to you. And for all the rest, God, if we've become callous towards you, we come with broken, contrite hearts. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.